And then he said, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. Don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. I can't catch a break, guys. Yeah. Get them the fuck away from me. I can't, I can't be around those guys. People think, oh well, cleaning your room, that's just a cliche. It's like, yeah, really, eh? Just go ahead and try it. If people had any idea how powerful sleep is for healing from anything, and the fact that it's free. My mind is absolutely bulletproof, solid as a rock. Good afternoon, good morning, and good night. Whenever you're watching this presentation, I hope you are healthy and happy. And if you're neither healthy or happy, I hope that this podcast can somehow help you achieve either one or both of those things. I am by myself, um, in case you're watching, and you've probably noticed, if you're just listening, don't expect anybody else. All right, it's just us. Just the two of us. So basically what we're going to be doing today, guys, is I'm going to be presenting this podcast solo. And my main man, Peter, who's going to pop onto the screen or he's just going to send me information, depending on what he feels like today. So, Pete, let's give us our first talking point. If you can pop that up on the screen somewhere now, well, then we can start talking about some health and fitness topics that you guys may be interested in. So, what we're going to talk about today is pumping weights could help you live longer. Did you know? Did you know? So, one interesting thing that you might not know about lifting weights, and it's a little bit counterintuitive to most people, is that lifting weights is both good for your joints and for your muscles as you get on in later age. And I know that the the culture, maybe before the real science came out or before it became commonplace knowledge, is that you know weightlifting is going to hurt you. It's going to leave you damaging your muscles and it's going to leave you damaging your bones and your joints and you should probably just stay with the little light airy fairy weights that you see the grannies all using in the keep fit classes all right whereas in fact what the compression of the weights will actually do is it will compress your bones and help prevent osteoporosis and bones getting weaker it's obviously also going to strengthen the muscles and so once you hit you know, that 50 mark, let's say, and you start maybe even sooner, it could actually be 40. So between 40 and 50, we'll say, your muscle mass is going to start deteriorating. And it is only the stimulus brought on by lifting weights that's going to help you maintain that muscle mass. Because as you all know, you either use it or lose it. And if you start losing it, you'd want to start using it in order to retain it. And you may be a novice at lifting weights at 50 years of age and if you've never lifted weights there's a good chance that if you work hard and discipline yourself and eat right that you can actually have stronger muscles maybe than you've ever had in your entire life due to the simple fact that now they're getting put under this kind of weight and pressure and now they're starting to develop in a way that you actually might like so what do you think people we watch the video stick it on there for the folks and we'll see some inspirational lady absolutely smashing it so what do you in think? school i was always not good at sports it just took me 65 years to find the sport I was good at. I'm Dr. Catherine Walton. I'm an emeritus fellow of Lineker College at the University of Oxford. I now hold all the world records for my age and body weight in the World Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation. It's good to have the records because it shows people that older people 
can be strong. After the age of 40, your muscles start deteriorating. Cycling won't help it, swimming won't help it, walking to the shops and doing aqua gym certainly won't help it. The only thing that will keep your muscles from deteriorating is resistance exercise, lifting heavy weights. You're concentrating on what your body can do instead of what your body looks like, which is important for me and very important for a large number of younger women. Six years ago, when I was 65, I uh, was talking to one of my sons, and I complained to him that I was not very fit, that I didn't have time to go to the gym every week, that I was afraid it was the slippery slope. So he said, well, you ought to try lifting heavy weights for few reps and you'd only have to do it twice a week. Well, that sounded really good to me. I remember that there was a colleague that uh, gave powerlifting lessons, so I went to ask him whether I was too old to begin, and he said there was only way, one way to find out. So we came and we started out, and I just loved it, and I've never looked back. What an absolute hero. And so this is it, guys. It's never too late to start. And especially if you're starting with a professional, this lady did a very smart thing and she went and she got herself a coach. She didn't just show up to the gym and start smashing heavy weights. She went with a professional, somebody knows what they're doing, and she got coached her way to world records. She holds all the world records, she said. All of them. And she's a smart lady. She's a doctor um, and she is a professor at a university. So she knows a thing or two. And it is a very, very smart decision for anybody who is focused on longevity and quality of life. And so this lady, again, as she said, is not sitting there focusing on what my quads look like. Although if you have a look at the picture, if you guys are watching this, her legs look absolutely incredible. What a legend. Um, and the reason being is because she's focused on performance. And so that's something I can definitely attest to. And I would definitely say, you know, maybe I don't look like a bodybuilder just because I'm not one. All right. But I definitely am in good shape. And the reason I'm in good shape is because I focus on performance and I really want to try and increase and improve my performance as the years go on and i am assuming that my physique is going to improve along with it and so what do we have here dun, 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 dun. so i assume just scroll up there a little bit pete what's the what's the what's the preference for that uh, there we go um so uh, the research research found that people who took the recommended 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week lived longer than those who didn't but those who combined regular aerobic exercise with muscle strengthening activities once or twice a week, fared even better. They had a 47% lower risk of dying from any cause apart from cancer over the next nine years than those who were not active at all. Doing weightlifting alone lowered the risk by up to 9 to 22% and aerobic exercise by 24 to 34%. There's some big numbers, all right? Examples of aerobic exercise to get the heart and lungs pumping include brisk walk, running, cycling, swimming. The study also found that women benefited more from weightlifting than men. There you go. Very interesting. The research team from the National Cancer Institute in Maryland and the University of Iowa explained that the muscle strengthening exercise could make the body leaner and the bones stronger, leading to a healthy, healthier life in old age. Our finding that mortality risk appeared to be its lowest for those who participated in both types of the exercise provided strong support for current recommendations to engage in both aerobic and muscle strengthening activities, said Dr or said study author Dr. Jessica G. <laughs> Older adults would probably benefit from adding weightlifting exercise to their physical activity routines. 
All right, so there you go. So according to NHS, muscle strengthening activities can also include carrying heavy shopping bags. All right, I'm sure you all do that. Yoga, Pilates, Tai Chi, lifting weights, working with resistance band, doing exercises to use your own body with, such as push-ups and sit-ups, heavy guarding, such as digging and shoveling. The study found, the study, although large, was observational, could not prove that the weightlifting that led to people living longer. All right, so we're just going to backtrack on everything to say it. Uh, it has also relied on participants remembering how much the exercise had done over the past year at one single point. However, the research did try and remove other factors that may have been an influence on the outcome, such as education, race, ethnicity, and still found the same result. Look, I mean, if you're going to try and dispute that any of that is good for you, you're taking yourself out to lunch. One thing that I would say um, with all of that, obviously, is you know, carrying shopping bags, although, yes, it's good for you, you do it wrong, you can seriously hurt yourself. Same with powerlifting, you do, do it wrong, you can hurt yourself. And so... There is a little bit of nuance with all this kind of stuff. You have to know what you're doing and you have to understand the dose. To go in there and just do too much or too little, especially if you're a novice, you know, it's probably not such a thing as too little. Anything's going to be challenging. Getting underneath with just the bar, 20 kilo, is going to be absolutely plenty. You know, push-ups, sit-ups, very, very basic stuff. To a novice, is going to feel like an awful lot. Tai Chi is, again, just practicing movement. This kind of flowy, graceful movement again, to be shown to be beneficial. And one of the reasons being is like moving your body is super important. And in this day and age, we just kind of fall into bad habits and just a bad lifestyle where we don't really use the body because we're so focused on our tasks and, you know, things that aren't inside of us and are not our body that we kind of drift away from moving our body. And if you don't use it, you lose it. We don't really use our body to its utmost capabilities. And studies are showing here that if you just bother your bum, even a little bit, in any kind of way, I mean, the, it was pretty broad there. Carrying your shopping bags, just getting active is so, so beneficial for you. So if you're not active, sign up to Fight and Fit. We'll get we'll get you doing the right things, the things that are going to leave you healthier in the long term, and you'll have a coach that will help and guide you every step of the way. If you're already a member of Fight and Fit, is there anything that you could do outside of Fight and Fit? Walking, running. Something that me and Peter have been doing for the last wee while is ping pong and i know i went on about ping pong again and again and people are like brian why do you play so much bloody ping pong it's amazing it is amazing and not only is it amazing but we've found a study that says it's amazing for you all right not just you young folk out there but especially anybody who's creeping on and you're starting to take your health a little bit more seriously as it pertains to later life so peter i know you study there Get it up. All right, so this is super interesting. Ping pong helps my Parkinson's symptoms, okay? So there's a lady here, and they said she was diagnosed with early onset Parkinson's at just 38. She was told that she would have to rely on her wheelchair within the next 10 years. Now at the age of 48, she has won medals playing table ten tennis at the National Parkinson's Championship and hopes to help get others involved as well. She told BBC Scotland that the sport has helped her regain control of her life. The former PE teacher trains weekly in Drum Chapel, Drum Chapel and has helped set up Parkinson's Scottish Table Tennis Association. The association held its second UK national championship in Scotland and the first in the first weekend of August. The benefits are so great. She told the BBC uh, Good Morning Scotland, with Parkinson's there are motor and non-motor symptoms and one issue I have is that I freeze and get stuck. So I started doing movement work with my specialist and we were looking at improving footwork and movement. A lot of this 
is about stance, weight distribution, and has also improved because I practiced through ta table tennis. My reaction time has also improved a lot. A Japanese study found that participants who played table tennis every week showed significant improvements in speech, handwriting, getting dressed, getting out of bed, and walking. All right, so let's let's talk about that just for a wee sec. Just stay up there, Pete, for a wee sec. All right. Um, now we're talking quality of life. All right. Speech, handwriting, getting dressed, getting out of bed and walking, things that we all take for granted. But again, if we just fall into this routine where we don't have a thing, we don't have something that we're chasing, we don't have something that is literally looping our brain around and engaging us actively. So we talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast about habits. If we fall into the the habit, if we fall into the life of becoming a habitual creature, your brain is going to atrophy. And if you've ever played ping pong or any kind of sport, guys, take one thing away from this podcast. You cannot sit on your arse and vegetate and expect to be healthy. All right. Being healthy is a very broad term. Obviously, what you define as your life being healthy and where you want to be is going to be completely different to somebody else. Somebody's idea of health is being able to run a marathon. Yours might be getting dressed, getting out of bed, walking, be able to talk to your friends, be able to write somebody a, a birthday card. And so we need to start setting the standard for ourselves and start engaging with our life a little bit and our body, not neglecting our body and taking on hobbies and interests that aren't just sitting on your phone, watching TV, going to the shops, eating food, drinking a load of, load of um, alcohol or whatever like that. So we need to be physically engaged um, from what I can see from both this article and the last one. Give us a scroll in there, Pete. Is there any more absolute nuggets? I mean, any excuse to get people playing ping pong. I got my diagnosis when I was 38. I was told in 10 years of being in a wheelchair. That's really tough blow to your mental health as a 38-year-old. But after my diagnosis, I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm learning a new sport and winning medals. All right? And so think about the achievement of winning a medal. If any of you guys have ever won a medal in your life, I mean, it's a pretty significant and amazing feeling. And if you've never got that, this lady was 38. And now look at her. Now she's starting to win, win medals. She thought that she was going to start declining. And now she is smashing it it's so easy to become overwhelmed by the bad news and give up on your hopes and dreams i think that if you're able to come through that and throw caution to the wind the benefits are so great i'm not sure about throwing caution to the wind um, but again it definitely seems to be a, a good decision life-changing the second national parkinson's table tennis uh, championship in glasgow drew 34 competitors from across the uk all right cool well there you go yeah so that, start playing ping pong guys table tennis badminton with lifting weights, what are you going to do with your life to start making progress and start seeing some kind of benefit? I know myself from playing ping pong, I never thought that I'd get as into it as I did. And I never thought that I'd enjoy it as much as I did. I never thought it would be as beneficial as it is. And so one thing that I definitely did notice with boxing, it, it's improved my hand-eye coordination. It's improved my reaction time. Like if you ever played ping pong, you see how fast that ball travels. Like I remember I couldn't even watch the ball as it was going and now you're reacting to it and obviously that's going to carry with it benefits something that we do for everybody who comes to fight and fit is we have something called the level method what the level method essentially does is it takes the monotony out of lifting weights and just kind of showing up to the gym obviously when we talk talk about the the really fit lady the professor she is competing all right and we talk with this other lady she is competing and that doesn't necessarily mean that i feel like you have to compete against other people but i feel like what they're doing is that they're improving themselves and they can start to see the increments that they're starting to walk forward through and so that's what the level method does it means that instead of just coming in 
and going, oh, another five kilo on the bar. That everything's color coded. It's sexy. It's dressed. It's got, you know, a bit of weight to it because white to yellow just feels more significant than just 10 to 15 kilos than 15 to 12 because there's a color code to it. Like everybody gets a PB here. There's sometimes people get PBs and it's not on the board and obviously it's significant, but it just doesn't feel as significant. You know, when people move from orange one to orange two, it's good and it's great, but there's nothing like moving from yellow to orange, from orange to blue. And then if your overall color to shift. And so having something like that, maybe it's a ping pong championship, maybe it's, lifting weights maybe it's getting a new bench press pr maybe it's but i would suggest people to push yourself to have something that's measurable something that other people can kind of look at and go oh that is significant because obviously having that little bit of a social high five is definitely going to spur you on i know know myself like an awful lot of what i've pushed for myself has been for you know a little bit of social praise and to act like we don't like social praise and we don't like other people to recognize our hard work i feel like is a little bit a little bit disingenuous if that is your thing all right but like i know for me and maybe you know yourself anytime anybody's ever praised you genuinely and sincerely it feels good and so it feels good to work hard at something make progress and have other people recognize it and i feel like there is mental and physical benefits to that so we can see that you're growing and other people can see that you're growing that you feel that you're growing and we feel again like we're not stagnating because when we feel like we're stagnating we we, we risk falling into a rut and again, this brain atrophy and starting to develop, you know, certain diseases and issues that go along with that because you're not getting this zest for life. You don't have energy. You've not, not got new pathways forming in your brain. If we don't have new pathways forming in our brain, maybe things are kind of getting bunged up. And that's going to segue me perfectly into fasting. Please, if you have any articles there on fasting. So I've actually had a little stint with fasting quite recently, I'm not sure if we talked about this on the last podcast, but in the space of a week, I did two 48-hour fasts and a 24-hour fast. And I definitely did feel like there is some benefits, and I didn't do it for fat loss, and there was an awful lot of people trying to fast for fat loss. And one thing that I would just say on that, and again, it's just completely my own experience, is that I feel like no matter what your approach is, if you try and lose too much weight too quickly, your body is going to kind of kick back on you a little bit and if we look at my numbers from the fast to the end of the fast I did definitely lose some weight but not as much as you would think from not eating from pretty much five days in the course of a week and the reason being is that on those reefy days on the days that I was eating my appetite was crazy because my body is feeling the fact that it's in a let's say what's that say six thousand roughly about a seven or 8,000 calorie deficit. So that's a lot of calories. That's about two pounds of pure fat, and that's gonna be significant in terms of the body. And so what we need to do is we need to make sure that no matter if it's fasting, that we, like, and again, so my, I, think, I think my starting weight was 76.6, and now my weight's sitting down around 75. And so that's 1.6 kilos of fat, so it's just over three pounds. And so that's pretty reasonable for a good week of fat loss. And I did put a good effort in and I was relatively strict with my, with my nutrition. And so it pretty much left me at a good week. And so fasting is one way that you can go about fat loss and it certainly will work and it will be effective. But your body will also 
upregulate your appetite and downregulate your energy if it just feels like you're not going to take any food because it's trying to preserve itself. Your body does not see losing fat necessarily as a, a great thing out and out. It sees yourself as without, and it's going to try and preserve energy unless we do it in a slow and steady approach. All right, so what do we have here? Eight benefits of fasting backed by science. So... Despite its recent surge in popularity, fasting is a practice that dates back in centuries and plays a central role in many, many cultures and religions. Defined as the absence from all or some foods or drinks for a set period of time, there are many different ways of fasting. In general, most types of fasting are performed from 24 to 72 hours. Intermittent fasting, on the other hand, involves cycling between periods of eating and fasting ranging from a few hours to a few days at a time. Fasting has been shown to have many health benefits, from increased weight loss to better brain function. Here are eight health benefits of fasting backed by science. Guys, pardon my atrocious reading at times. I am not the best reader. Promotes blood sugar control by reducing insulin resistance. So insulin, right? What's the big disease associated with insulin? It is diabetes. All right, obviously there's type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Obviously fasting is probably not going to help you with type 1. I'm not a professor, but I'm pretty sure that if your insulin just isn't working, not eating food probably isn't a good idea. But type 2 diabetes is basically when your body becomes far too accustomed to having insulin up at a high level that it just pretty much gets used to it. And we need way more insulin than we can produce. And so this is where we start running into problems. And in fact, one study in 10 people with Type 2 diabetes showed that short-term intermittent fasting significantly decreased blood sugar levels. There you go. Meanwhile, another review found that both intermittent fasting and alternative day fasting were as effective as limiting calorie intake at reducing insulin resistance. Decreasing insulin resistance can increase your body's sensitivity to insulin, allowing it to transport glucose from your bloodstream to your cells more efficiently. Coupled with the potential blood sugar-lowering effects of fasting, this could help keep your blood sugar steady, preventing spikes and increasing your blood sugar levels. Something that came to me when I was fasting, I just noticed how regularly we eat. And we eat, in my opinion, far, far too regularly for sedentary people. So if you're a super active person, yes, fair enough, you could probably do with the amount of calories that you're eating. But even then, I would say, you know, are you eating because you absolutely need it? Or are you eating because it's a habit and you feel like you need it? And so we kind of use food as a little bit of a crutch. Also, when we think about ourselves from an evolutionary standpoint and just kind of how much we've changed as a culture, food was not available all the time. So it's completely normal and understandable to think that your body is used to going periods without eating. Now, whether or not that's healthy or good for you, that's what studies are for. So promotes better health by fighting inflammation. Give us your scroll. While acute inflammation is a normal immune process used to help fight off infections, chronic inflammation can have serious consequences for your health. Uh, for your health, sorry. And so again, this is something to think about as well. Yeah, everybody thinks inflammation is bad. Inflammation is good, or else your body wouldn't do it. It's chronic inflammation that is negative. And so again, when we get into this chronically inflammated state, it becomes a problem. And there is lots of diseases out there associated with inflammation. Research shows that inflammation may be involved in the development of chronic conditions such as heart disease, cancer, and rheumatoid or rheumatoid, rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. Some studies have found that fasting can help decrease levels of inflammation and help promote better health. One study in 50 adults showed that intermittent fasting for one month significantly decreased levels of inflammatory markers. 
Another small study discovered the same effect that when people fast for 12 hours a day for one month, oh, the same effect. <laughs> there you go. So it's going to reduce your inflammation. What's more, one animal study found that the following very low calorie diet to mimic the effect of fasting reduced levels of inflammation and beneficial in the treatment of multiple sclerosis and chronic inflammatory conditions. And so this is the thing about it, guys. You can't just shove food in your face the entire time. Same as you just can't leave the car on all day, every day, and expect for things to work. Things need a break. Things need a chance to cool down. And that's exactly what we should be doing. We should be taking breaks from food every once in a while. Maybe not every day. Maybe not every second day. You know, maybe once a month. Um, I know when I was listening to Sad Guru, who is a yogi guru, he talks about in that culture, in the yogi culture, and I think maybe even in Indian culture, they have a time of the month. I think it's something to do with the moon, <laughs> where if you're very, very aware and in tune with your body, you'll notice that there's a, a day or two of the month that you're just not hungry. Your body just doesn't need food. And we become so unconscious. We've talked about this before. We lose awareness in our body and we become autonomous machines that we just don't become aware. We just do things out of habit. You eat breakfast even when you're not hungry. You eat dinner when you're not hungry. We eat just out of habit. We eat because it's there. And again, we want a little treat, something just to reward ourselves for getting up and doing life. May enhance heart health by improving blood pressure, triglyceride, and cholesterol levels. And again, one of the reasons being, in my opinion, is because it gives your body a chance to break the stuff that's there down. Instead of constantly having to turn over the new resources and materials that you're giving the body, we go internal for a change. We go, right, hey, everybody, we need some fat. Where's their spare fat? Check the arteries. Check the liver I left loads there. Check around the heart. All right, and so maybe this is what's happening. Heart disease considered the leading cause of death around the world, accounting for an estimated 31.5% of death globally. That is ridiculous. 31.5% of deaths globally is heart disease. What's heart disease? Too much fat around your heart. And it's this reason why obesity is an absolute scourge. And it's this reason why I encourage everybody to raise your standard of body fat to healthy. Find a healthy marker and move to it. Stop thinking, you know, it runs in your family. It doesn't run in your family. Nobody runs in your family. Maybe that's the problem, all right? Switching up your diet and lifestyle is one of the most effective ways to reduce your heart disease. Switching up your diet and lifestyle. Yeah, so changing what you're eating and how much you're moving. And that's not trying to simplify. I know that can be a very, very difficult process. I work with people on a daily basis. Everybody brings their own shit to the table all right and we talked about this last week when it comes to Gabor Mate and trauma and so obviously if you're struggling to change your lifestyle and your diet and you've tried you generally put your heart and soul into it well then maybe there's a deeper issue there as to why you can't do that and which we encourage everybody to go along and do that deep work it's going to be worth your while because 31.5 percent of people are dying because they're overweight all right some research has found that incorporating fast into your routine may be especially beneficial when it comes to your health. No calories that day, basically. Stop eating the food and let your body eat the fat. One small study revealed that eight weeks of alternative day fasting, so that's one day eating, one day not eating, fasting reduced levels of bad or low-density lipocholesterol, I think that's low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, and blood triglycerides by 25% 
and 32% respectively. So is that 25 to 32? Sorry. So that would be 25% of LDL going down and 32% of blood triglycerides going down. Another study in 110 obese adults showed that fasting for three weeks under medical supervision significantly decreased blood pressure as well as levels of blood triglycerides, total cholesterol, and bad LDL cholesterol. Why? Why is this? Because there's too much fat in the system and that when we don't eat, we burn that fat. Lose the weight. Lose the weight. We have to lose weight. If we, if we are overweight, we have to take this seriously. I really am urging people for the past three or four years now in my own practice, just please, whatever it takes within reason, let's start cutting back. Let's start getting out for a walk every evening. Let's start getting out for a walk every morning. I always go back to the story that a, a, a lady in the gym told me. There was this guy, all he did was get a dog and walk for an hour every morning, every morning, hail, rain, sleet, snow. He lost like four stone. It's incredible what you could do just by moving and cutting down on the alcohol. If you drink every weekend, if you're an alcoholic, dare I say it, you must start battling with that or you're going to pay the price. There's no such thing as a free dinner. And if there was a free dinner and you are obese, maybe don't eat it. Maybe fast instead. All right. In addition, one study in 4,629 people, that seems significant, associated fasting with lower risk of coronary artery disease as well as significant lowering risk of diabetes which is a major risk factor to heart disease let me go through that again four thousand four and a half thousand people associated fasting with lowering the risk of coronary artery disease which is basically too much fat in the arteries as well as significantly lowering the risk of diabetes which we talked about above which is a major risk factor to heart disease all right summary fasting has been associated with lower risk of coronary heart disease and may help lower blood pressure, triglycerides, and cholesterol levels, all right? Simply because food is your friend, I understand. Food is your friend, but you're also spending too much time with that friend. It is not your only friend. Quiet is also your friend. Dr. Diet, Dr. Quiet, Dr. Move, and there's another one, Paul Check. So again, four doctors. But what we really want to do is we want to start stop spending so much time with food. We don't need as much as we think. This old Irish attitude, maybe it's all across the world, I can only speak for, for the Irish culture. Oh, don't skip breakfast, she'll be weak at lunchtime. That's because that's what you're used to. All right, same as people saying, you shouldn't exercise, you'll be exhausted. Of course you'll be exhausted, that's the whole bloody point. The human body wants to heal itself and it needs change if we're unhealthy. If we as a culture are going to start changing the markers and the 31.5% of people dying, well, we're going to have to change. And 31.5% of people are going to have to change on average because what you're doing isn't working. What we as a, as a, as a culture are doing isn't working. Drinking every single weekend, four or five nights out of the week, whatever it is, is not working. Eating whatever you want all the time, every time your package is not working. And I would seriously encourage that everybody in, incorporate some kind of fasting, intermittent fasting, day on, day off, and not to do it for fat loss, to do to wrestle with your addiction and dependence on food. The fact that you can't manage your blood sugar levels very well because when you skip lunch, the whole system crashes because literally that, that used to eating, that if you go for two or three hours without eating, like, I mean, you go for nine hours without eating every night and nothing happens, all right? But as soon as we're awake, we feel like, oh, I've moved a little bit, my blood sugar, I need the energy. You don't need the energy. 
In fact, your body has designed this incredible system of burning fat for energy. So let's start getting a little bit more familiar with that. And there is multiple benefits, as we just read from that study. All right. May boost brain function and prevent neuro neurodegenerative disorders. Now, me, myself, suffer from long COVID. All right. When I got COVID, one of the issues that I started to deal with was headaches. So there's a little bit of damage in my brain. I'm putting it down to spike proteins living in my brain and actually doing damage to my my brain my brain cells all right that's what it feels like to me so i decided to do a little bit of fasting to hopefully get some kind of healing in my brain whether or not it's actually effective who knows i actually do feel some benefits since i've done it and there you go through research it is mostly limited to animal research several studies have found that fasting could have a powerful effect on brain health one study in mice showed that practicing intermittent fasting for 11 months improved both brain function and brain structure. Amazing. Other animal studies have reported that fasting could protect brain health and increase generation of nerve cells to help enhance cognitive function. That's pretty cool. All right. So we can really increase the generation of nerve cells. So anybody who is suffering from neurodegenerative disorders, well, fasting could actually help you regenerate or maybe not regenerate but actually just generate because fasting may also help relieve inflammation it could also aid in preventing neurodegenerative disorders and so again there's that word inflammation and i know again i'm going to speak out of school here just a little bit but i know an awful lot of people have kind of associated sugar and there's science behind this with inflammation and so obviously that's not saying i don't believe i'm not a teetotaler i don't believe that you should stay away from sugar in fact i love sugar give me some sugar right now all right but the issue is that if we're chronic there's this word again chronic if we're chronically eating sugar that we never have any time away from it you and your loved ones if you spend too much time with them you're gonna strangle them and so the thing about it is we have to take things from breaks even if we love them. And so again, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I literally ate uh, a Kellogg's bar, Kellogg's bar, pure sugar. It's amazing. After my 48-hour fast, that's what I broke my fast with. And it felt like a warm hug from Jesus. It just felt so right. It literally just felt like, it felt like after getting in from a freezing cold day and you just get a bit of heat it just feels so so good to kind of come away from something and then to learn to appreciate it and again we have to learn to come away from these things and we cannot be dependent on anything what do you need to be dependent on water and sleep that's about it food calories obviously eventually but if we have, if you can pinch an inch, if we've got some calories, you have some to spare. The problem is we don't have a whole pile of water to spare. You don't have a whole pile of rest to spare. And you don't have a whole pile of oxygen to spare. All right. These are what we need. Calories we have. Any God's amount of them. And you've eaten any God's amount of them. You've drink, you drank any God's amount of them. Why not step away and take a break now that you know that the science supports time away? In particular, studies in animals suggest that fasting may protect against and improve outcomes for conditions such as Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's. Fasting and ping pong, guys. We can beat Alzheimer's. However, more studies are needed to evaluate the effects of fasting brain function in humans. Summary, animal studies show that fasting can improve brain function, increase nerve cell synthesis, and protect against neurodegenerative conditions such as Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's. AIDS weight loss 
by limiting calorie intake and boosting metabolism. Now, I'm not, I'm not even going to bother with the limiting calorie intake. I hope that makes sense. You're not eating, therefore you're eating less calories. Boosting metabolism is very, very interesting. Where are we getting into that? Some research has shown that short-term fasting may boost metabolism by increasing the levels, levels of neurotransmitter norepinephrine, which could enhance weight loss. In fact, one study showed that the whole day fasting could reduce body weight up to 9% and significantly decrease body fat over 12 to 24 weeks. All right, so I don't think it's groundbreaking stuff to think that you're going to reduce your body weight when you're not taking the calories. Obviously, there's less sugar, there's less fat, there's less protein, there's literally less weight inside you. You're not going to hold on to as much water because carbohydrates. So if you're not taking in carbs, you're not going to, all those carbs aren't going to soak up the water like a sponge. Also, the actual weight of the food is not going to be there. So obviously, uh, a simple weight reduction makes sense. But decreased body fat over 12 to 24 weeks. Obviously, if you're, if you're again, down, if you're, if you're a little person, all right, 1,500 calories on a very lightly active day is definitely not out of, the, out, out of the wheelhouse. And if you're quite a big person, I mean, we're talking up, upwards about 4,000, maybe 4,500 calories if you're super active. So 15 to 4,500 calories you're going without. And provided you don't binge like a mad person when you come back and you kind of eat quite moderately when you come back to it, it's it's not out of, the, out of the realm of possibility. Obviously, you're going to lose weight and therefore body fat. So again, if we fast and then binge, we're probably not going to lose that much weight, all right? Because you're just eating the food that you would have eaten anyway. So that's fasting is not magic, all right? Another review found that intermittent fasting over three to twelve weeks was as effective, including was as effective in inducing weight loss as continuous calorie restriction and decreased body weight and fat mass by up to 8 to 16% respectively. And so again, we're not talking crazy. 18 to 16% is still a significant number, but it's not crazy because it's not magic. It's literally just about reducing your calorie intake slightly. And I find it a lot easier just to cut out breakfast and lunch, let's say, and eat a nice big meal than making my entire life this collage of itty bitty pathetic meals that nobody wants to eat so if you really don't enjoy eating small meals and you find the 1200 calories just isn't nice eat a 1200 calorie meal and skip breakfast and lunch altogether. science is speaking now here's what i wouldn't recommend if you have an eating disorder a diagnosed eating disorder i really wouldn't recommend fasting short term and that's just because i i'm just not schooled on it so obviously if you are in a special case where you have an eating disorder you should probably go seek help from a therapist and get to work on that or maybe a dietitian. I'm not sure who the right person to go would be maybe both and so work with a professional who deals with that special case but for the vast majority of people we don't have an eating disorder we have maybe some disordered eating so you just don't have an order of eating you just do whatever you want whenever you want because you've never built one same way as you might not have you might have a disorder disordered lifestyle you might have a disordered household you might have a disordered relationship you might have a disordered work schedule because you may be a disordered person and maybe incorporating some order into your life in both food and everything else could be what the doctor ordered and fasting for people like that should generally be fine in addition fasting was found to be more effective than calorie restriction at increasing fat loss while simultaneously preserving muscle tissue this is interesting, actually, right? Think about a lion. Lions have to chase and hunt gazelles. They're not weak. 
all right? All their muscle tissue doesn't go because they didn't eat for a few days, all right? Or, now, this is the thing. This is where the bodybuilding culture has permeated into the general culture, which I don't think is a bad thing. If you want to build a little bit of muscle, that's fine. Bodybuilding, you know, in small chunks is where to go. But the culture of I can't skip any meals ever is for the professionals. It's for those who really are up in the upper echelon of that sport. So they really are talking like, I seen there, there was a couple of guys local enough that actually very, very well in the first time bodybuilding competitions. And if, if you were to look at those, you just think that they're in good shape. When you look at, like, and, that, and that's, that's people who dedicate their bloody life. Like they're probably working a full-time job and every second it's not, it's, you know, meal preparation and training. And they look great. For those who want to just achieve that level, it is super, super difficult. And if you are, even if they skip a meal, it's probably not going to be the biggest deal in the world. We're talking about, you know, the pros, the people who are on the absolute peak of the peak of the peak. People who just want to tone up do not need to worry about missing meals and losing muscle mass. It's not going to matter to you. You're not going to, like, that little bit of a bicep you have is not going to disappear because you skipped lunch. So stop stressing so much about skipping meals and start worrying about actually skipping meals so you can lose the weight because you're going to actually look better in relation to people who are focused on, you know, losing that little extra millimeter of muscle or that extra half a pound of muscle is because they're lean as bean and they will see it and they're not focused on losing the body fat. They're already shredded. So for you, the big benefit in terms of aesthetic and looking the way you want to look is actually not building muscle. It's probably losing the fat so you can actually see what muscle you do have. And something I noticed for me, one, one thing when I got down as lean as I wanted to be was I realized I actually need more muscle. And so I started a bulk and I actually didn't mind getting a little bit of weight and starting packing on a few pounds of muscle. But again, Fasting is not going to work in opposition to that. Fasting will actually help you look better and may actually may help you maintain muscle mass. So, summary fasting may increase metabolism and help firm, uh, preserve muscle tissue to reduce body weight and body fat. All right, so I think we can move on a little bit. What time are we at here? We're nearly about time to wrap this up. Um, yeah, fasting is beneficial for sure. For sure, fasting has benefits. Is it a magic pill? Definitely not. Should it be used by most people with healthy mindsets, for sure. Increased growth hormone secretion, which is vital for growth, metabolism, weight loss, and muscle strength. This is the last one I think we'll do. Human growth hormone is a type of protein hormone that is central to many aspects of your health. In fact, research shows that this key hormone is involved in growth, metabolism, weight loss, and muscle strength. Several studies have found that fasting could naturally increase, increase HGH levels, human growth hormone, one study in 11 healthy adults, it's not very uh, not very vast, but shows that fasting for 24 hours significantly increased levels of HGH. There you go. It's not an animal study. It's a human study. Another small study in nine men found that fasting for just two days led to a five-fold increase in human growth hormone production rate. That's incredible. That is incredible. Plus, fasting may help maintain steady blood sugar and insulin levels throughout the day, which may further optimize levels of HGH as some research found that sustaining increased levels of insulin may reduce HGH. There you go. So chronically high insulin due to high sugar intake chronically. Again, there's that word chronically. 
um, is going to reduce your HDH and actually staying away from that is going to improve your human growth hormone. So, so summary, studies shown that fasting can increase levels of human growth hormone and important protein hormones that play a role in growth, metabolism, weight loss, and muscle strength. All right. So again, that little bit of fasting, that little bit of absence of food is good for your muscle. It's good for your brain. It's good for your metabolism. It's good for you. It's good for your pocket because you don't have to feed yourself that day. Isn't that great? So you're looking to save money, don't eat. If you're looking to save muscle, don't eat. If you're looking to save yourself from the pains of Alzheimer's, don't eat. All right. But all this, again, should be fit as part of a balanced, healthy lifestyle. You should be walking. You should be having eggs. You should be having meat. You should be having carbohydrates. You should be having sugar. You should be having a few social drinks with your friends every once in a while. You should be enjoying your life. I actually think there was a couple of studies that I heard that alcohol in small parts can be beneficial. And that's probably just due to the fact that it just lowers your stress. But if we do too much of anything, it can have the counter effect. If we fast too much, it's actually probably going to be stressful on your body because at a certain stage, we're starting to starve to death, which isn't good for you. And so your body's going to be a little bit more stressed out, as you can imagine. Same with drinking. A little bit of drinking is good. Too much of it, it's going to stress your body out because your body has to break down and deal with way more than it's capable of doing. So sugar is great for you. It's an immediate supply of energy. I remember I, I once heard Floyd Mayweather in between rounds of boxing would drink like a full sugar or full fat as people keep referring to. There's no fat in, in Coca-Cola. It has sugar. That's what makes you fat. All right. So the sugar in that for Floyd Mayweather in between rounds, when he has no sugar left in the system, he's using that as a a very simple solvent, all right? So he literally gets it right in. It will dissolve very easily into his bloodstream and get straight into the muscles, which for a, a high-intensity athlete is going to be really, really important for keeping up the muscles, performing the way he wants to perform. But if you're sitting on your arse all day, you don't need a Coca-Cola. You are probably going to be more energized if we can step away from the food and get that nice, steady, energy effect from the fat your body metabolizes fat at a very low intensity zone so if you're operating on a low intensity all day fat is actually going to be your best fuel source where if your energy is going like Floyd Mayweather up down up down up down up down up down you're on the up down anyway you want something that's going to help you with the next peak you don't want to be sitting at your desk going up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, just from sugar, and your body doesn't need it. All right, so that's this week's podcast. I think I did pretty well to do 45 minutes by myself. All right, guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to share it all over social media. If you like the kind of content that we're putting out, you can check out us on all the socials. We're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, we're on Facebook. We are on YouTube. We have our own website, fightingfitnation.com. If you've got any questions, don't be afraid to reach out to us and DM us on Instagram or Facebook or send us an email at fightingfitirl at gmail.com. And guys, we will leave it there. Thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next one. Peace.